Okay, um, we are not going to be together today as long as we usually are. I know some of you think that's an empty promise, but uh, it's not. I can pull that off. Uh, if you have your smartphones with the free version Bible app on it or your tablet, boot that up, quiet it down. We do have a live event. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you'd like to follow along, we are in, uh, you want to turn to Micah chapter 5, one of the minor prophets. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to borrow one and use one, check under one of the seats in front of you. There's like a brown hardback. You want to flip to page 886, 886. Um, if you don't own the Bible, if you don't have one, Merry Christmas. You do now. That's yours. Take it with you. We love you. Okay. This may be one of the strangest, uh, Christmas messages that you've heard. It's called all about the bread, about the bread. All about the bread. That's right. I love bread. You love bread? Yes. I once used, I once quoted, give me this day my daily bread to get out of going on the Atkins low-carb diet. That's, yes, yes. We do strange things when we're hungry. It's all about the bread. Um, When Quincy was four years old, we took a family vacation to Epcot at Disney World. Now, um, if any of you have been to Epcot or know much about it, uh, the park is set up so that they have like different areas that recreate the different world cultures, right? And, and if you have ever been uh, on a vacation with a child, then you know that you, one of your main goals is to find a cheap souvenir so that you don't hear for the whole... T- buy me something. Buy me something. Will you buy me something? Find a cheap... So you can imagine my joy when we're entering the Asian pavilion and with Quincy and then Tommy and Toe. He had apparently already gotten his souvenir. And there is a man there at a, at a, at a booth who will write on an uncooked grain of rice whatever you want for like a dollar a letter. And so she wants this. She says, Daddy, can I get my name written on rice? And i got to do some quick math in my head, right? I figure I can get out of this for six bucks. Q-U-I-N-C-Y. Six bucks. That's a win. You can't even buy a gumball in Epcot for six bucks. So there we are. We're standing there. This man, who now is probably blind, um, is writing on a single uncooked grain. It's probably long grain, but really big deal. Rice with a little Sharpie, her name. As it turns out, she doesn't want the, the pendant or the little keepsake ornament that you could put it in. She just wants the grain of rice in the free cellophane. Bingo! Six bucks, we're gone. We're walking to the African pavilion. She's happy. I'm happy. When I look back, she's just happy as a clam. Q-U-I-N-C. Looking at her. So we're walking. We're almost there. I look back. She's not looking at her rice no more. I said, Quince, what happened to your grain of rice? She said, I ate it. I said, were you hungry? She said, yep. I said, are you still hungry? She said, yep. That's my girl. 
That's my girl, yes. So, so, now none of us is surprised that my daughter was not full, was not satisfied after having one, eaten one uncooked grain of rice and some Sharpie ink, right? We're not surprised that she wasn't filled up, she wasn't satisfied. But why? Why are you and I surprised? Why are you and I surprised when everything that we've seen, everything that we've heard, everything that we've experienced, everything we've tasted, everything we've bought, everything we've loved, everything we've felt, everything we've worked for, everything we've experienced, why are we surprised that with all of that, we still find ourselves in our heart of hearts still hungry? unsatisfied. That's why I'm glad that you're here. Because we can't go any longer. We can't go another day without being filled, without being satisfied in the deepest, deepest, deepest ways. And you say, well, this is about satisfaction. I thought you said this was all about the bread. I did. Stay with me. Okay. For the past two weeks, let's go back to go forward. Just go with it. For the past two weeks, we have been exploring one incredible sentence. Actually, it's a quote from angels to shepherds. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Here it is. Will you read this with me out loud? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. You get an A. When we started out the first week, we focused on just the first three words. Here they are. For unto you, for unto you. That's what we said. We looked at it. We said that Jesus' birth is incredibly personal. It's actually, this boils down to this, for you, for you. It is all for you. He came for you. And that if you and I um, get that, we know that for you requires a response. For you is an offering. You can either receive or you can reject. But for you uh, requires a response. And for you is incredibly personal. And if we get that, if we get how personal that is, him for us, that if we were the only person on the face of the earth, Jesus would have made the trip and come for you anyway because of his love for you. We said that if you would get that, if we would get that and receive that, that would be a game changer. And so uh, we not only learned it was for you, we went on to the next group of words in that sentence, which is, is born this day. So not only is um, Jesus coming intensely personal, it is also incredibly worthwhile. Is born this day. We said there is something about this gift There is something about this gift and we explored the fact that if you and I don't know how much a gift is worth or what it can do, that it's just like not having the gift at all. But we now know that unto you is born this day a wonderful counselor. That's what we talked about. Unto you is born this day a mighty God. Unto you and me born this day is an everlasting father unto you and me born this day is a prince of peace and that is worthy and we want to plumb the depths of that so today we go on to the next group of words in the city of david and that is all about satisfaction 
all about the bread. And um, I promise you. Now, before you think that, uh, that it's not, the city of David is, is what? Does any, anybody know? The city of David is, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Yeah, way to go. Bethlehem. There's not a quiz. Like every question I answer, you, you answer Jesus, you get an A. This one, not so much. But Bethlehem, right? Bethlehem. David, King David was born in Bethlehem. So it's called the city of David. Do you know? But most of Israel's kings were born about five miles. They, they, they were born five miles away in Jerusalem, but not David. David was born in, in Bethlehem at about 1,000 years B.C., before Christ, right. Now, 300 years later, in about 700 B.C., there was a prophet named Micah who absolutely nailed the, the prophecy of where Jesus would be born. And that's what we're taking a look at this morning to kick it off. Micah chapter 2. Micah writes, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrata, think about that as like the county, right? Who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Stop there for a second. What that means is Bethlehem, um, even though you're a podunk backwater town, um, you're going to matter, right? So continue. From you shall come forth For me, God, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Now, when the original audience heard this, read this, ancient days, like that made the hair on the back of their neck stand up. Why? Because in the book of Daniel, in the prophecies that Daniel... Daniel continually refers to the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior God, as the ancient of days. So this, from ancient days, these people knew exactly what this is talking about. This is the one who existed before days were, before there was time. That's what's coming. Flip down to, uh, to uh, chapter, uh, verse 4. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of his God. And they shall dwell secure. That is satisfaction. For now, he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. He shall be their satisfaction. For everyone, as Jesus becomes famous in our towns, in our families, in our, in our university, uh, in our world, People will have peace and dwell secure and be satisfied. And Micah said, this will happen in Bethlehem. And some of you are thinking, I get the city of David. Got that. I get the Bethlehem part. I get the prophecy part. I get Jesus being born there part. The part I don't get is the bread. That's because you and I don't speak Hebrew, do you? Anybody speak Hebrew? You do? No? No? Good. Okay. Well, then you, yeah, we'll learn together. If we did speak Hebrew, we would realize that Bethlehem is actually two words. Beth and Lechem. You have to do that. That's, that's how you do it. Beth and Lechem. Beth, the word Beth actually means house. House. So this is a picture of Dr. This, answer the question. This is a picture of doctor. No, Beth, Beth, 
Okay. This is beginning Hebrew. You're failing. Okay. So if Beth means house and Lehem, you know what Lehem means? It means this. It means this. Bread. Bread. So Beth Lehem means house of bread. Where the bread comes from. Bethlehem is where the bread comes from. Some of you are wondering why bakeries are among the happiest places on earth. Because they're supposed to be. It's where the bread comes from. When you think about Bethlehem, think about the house of bread. Think of a bakery where the bread just pours out and it's all about the bread. Growing up, um, my dad used to make up words for things that needed words but didn't have words, right? And so one of my favorites was the word, I'm going to teach it to you today and you can use it at home if you will, schnegius, schnegius. Schnegius means that you are hungry but you don't know what you want to eat, Right? So he, he needed a word for that. I'm Schnegius. When you stand in the kitchen in front of the open door of the refrigerator with the light shining on your empty belly and, and you don't know, you're confused, you are Schnegius. You're hungry. You just don't know what you're hungry for. And how many people have experienced that feeling? Okay, okay. It's not rare. It's not rare for us to be hungry and not know what we're hungry for. And that's okay. That's okay if we're talking about our stomach. But being hungry in your heart and not knowing what you're hungry for, that's no way to live. In fact, that's why, partially why Jesus came. Because the people that he loves were hungry in the deepest way and not really aware of what we're hungry for. And so hunger, look, I know, I don't know a lot about hunger. I know a lot about food. Um, But God gives us appetites, physical appetites, right? That drive us, that draw us to food that will satisfy our, our physical needs for nourishment. And mercifully, God gives our hearts a hunger that draw us to uh, the source of food that's needed for our spiritual nourishment. And so, um, here we go. Here we go. Um, I got a quote from a Greek Orthodox priest. Uh, his uh, name is Father Anthony Conieris, uh, and he nailed it. He says, Man hungers for material food, but he also has a hunger for for something far greater. This is why Jesus said man and women shall not live by bread alone. Greater than the hunger for food in man is the hunger for God, which manifests, which shows itself basically in the hunger for security, for love, peace, joy, meaning, and life. All these hungers find their complete and permanent satisfaction in Christ. All of these things, the security, the love, the peace, the joy, the meaning, the purpose, that we expect other things, even good things, to satisfy and fill us up. Your your, your family, um, as good as they are, your kids, your marriage, as good as it may be, 
can't ultimately fill that. Your job, no matter how cool it is, not even ministry can, can, can do that. Our recreation, our, our possessions, our vacation, whatever it is, we, we put a burden on them, we put a weight on them, we put an expectation on them that they cannot deliver and thankfully they were never meant to. And mercifully, God does not allow us to be satisfied so that we will keep pushing, keep seeking, keep striving until we find the food that satisfies himself, right? We all have been given a God craving. You have a God craving in your heart, in your soul, a God-shaped hunger. So here's the question. How are you trying to satisfy that? How are you trying to satisfy that God craving, that God hunger? And how's it going for you? There's hope. It's all about hope. We're going to come here every time, talk about how good God is, how much he loves you, and how we can, how we can link up and, and, and see that realized in our lives. Jesus talked about exactly this thing in, in John chapter 6. Um, if you want to flip there, you can. It'll be up on the board. Je- Jesus said this. He said this to him. I am. Now, anytime you see Jesus say, I am, you want to circle that. You want to pay attention to this because that's like one of his titles. That's a big statement. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Yeah, Tom, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard that before, but I came to Christ 15 years ago, I said a prayer. I walked an aisle. I did this. I'm still hungry. He said, if I, if, if I come to me, I would never be hungry. Look, his responsibility is to provide the bread. Your responsibility is to eat. Is to eat. Some of us are starving in front of mountains of bread. Say, I'm not being fed. We sent the kids upstairs. If you said that in your house, how would that fare? I'm not being, there's bread. Eat. It is all you can eat every day. Every day. His job is to provide. Our job is to pig out on him. Let's be, let's be serious, right? That, jump down. Jump down to verse 47. He goes on with this. Truly, truly, in case you doubted it, right? I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Okay, let's pause there. You know, uh, the Israelites, when they were wandering in the wilderness, they had no food. So God provided. He rained down heavenly bread every single day. And they would gather it up and they eat it. Well, the people that ate this ended up dying, right? Not, not from the bread, but eventually. This, I am the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. That manna from heaven was a picture of Jesus Christ who is the real bread that, that you don't die after you eat it. You, you live ever-increasing life and forever. That's right. And it goes on. I am the bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So here we get a picture of the cross, right? His body broken for us and Christmas and the cross are connected they're always connected 
that He comes to rescue us. He dies to rescue us. He rises to rescue us. That's what it's about. And so if we have this blessing, if we have this provision, if we have this lavish, lavish bread, imagine, imagine what that could be like. Well, why did Jesus choose bread as a representative for himself? I mean, he could have chosen a lot of things, don't you think? The chimichanga, right? Top ramen for some of you college kids. Could have picked mac and cheese. Could have picked eggplant parmesan. Didn't. Pick bread. Why bread? Well, I think that in our culture, we've kind of lost the significance that the 21st, in the 21st century, that the first century um, people in the Middle East would have had for bread. You see, because bread was not only a staple food item, but there wasn't a person born who was too poor to have tasted bread or too rich to have bread on their table. And the role that bread played in that nourishment of that culture was so far beyond what we understand. Not only was it a main part of the meal, but they didn't have um, like silverware, uh, forks and spoons to get the food from the serving bowls to their plates or their mouths. And bread was what you used as the utensil or the vehicle to either sop up or soak or dip or grab a piece of meat from a, a torn loaf or, or uh, uh, something that looked like a flatbread or a t- tortilla. So, so it was not only the nourishment itself, it was the vehicle for all other nourishment. And so bread, bread was important and bread was central. And God is saying right here, you and I are hungry You and I are hungry for the bread of life. And we try to satisfy that hunger with so many lesser things. Good things sometimes, bad things sometimes. Today, I don't even want to talk about the difference. They're just other. And by design and by mercy, they do not satisfy. And if you are sitting here feeling unsatisfied, praise God. Because... If anybody has fasted for a period of time and prayed, um, believe it or not, I, I have. I, I, you know, I know it doesn't look it, but after the third day of not eating, you know what happens? You're not hungry anymore. Some of us are not hungry because we're starving. So if you're feeling it, that's great. Because these lesser things that we try to satisfy... They're, they're like candy. They're candy. They're sweet in our mouths, delightful, no doubt. But they leave us yearning and hungry for something of more substance, something that's going to last, something where if I have this, like, like some of Cassie's girls were, if I have this, if I have you, then nobody can shake my peace. Nobody can steal my joy. Nobody can make me feel not enough because I am satisfied. I am full. You are the source of my joy. You are the source of my peace. He's promising that. He's promising that. It's all, it's all about the bread. And so I, I think we can do this. We're going um, to do something before you go. And that's going to be the really strange part. Um, 
And Isaiah the prophet asks this question. And this is a question that you and I need to wrestle with today and every Why? The question is why? Why do you and I spend our money, spend our time, spend our effort on things that are not bread, that are not life, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Why? How much longer are we going to think that a little bit more of the thing that has never really done it for me is going to do it for me? Or there's something out there that I don't have or a quantity that I don't have or an experience that I don't have that's finally going to make the difference. Trust me. You and I may not live long enough or have enough money to exhaust all those possibilities, but the world is full of people who will try. You and I can stop and say, I don't want to, I don't want to spend my money for that which doesn't satisfy. I don't want that. I want what's real. Overflowing. If you're, if you're hungry, the fact that in the house, in the city of David, means in the house of bread, that's good news. That's good news that, that the God, that the Savior who is born in the house of bread wants to make your, your heart a house of bread. House of bread. I, I want to share with you a story. It's one of my favorites that came out of World War II. Um, there were a lot of, the Allies uh, um, collected up a lot of orphans after a lot of the fighting. Uh, a lot of these kids had seen things that were just horrible, had been through terrible things, lost uh, one, both parents, um, and they, they survived. And so the Allies, they, they would set up these field hospitals and, and orphanages when they would love on these kids and give them medicine and give them food and clothe them and they were still lying in bed at night unable to sleep because of fear and anxiety. And they brought psychologists in. How can we help these kids before we can get them back and adopt it? How can we help them rest? And after talking to some of the kids, he said this. Take a piece of bread. Put it in each child's hand in their bed at night. Tell them, don't eat it. Just hold it. This is for tomorrow. And when they did that, they slept like babies. They slept peacefully because they knew that they were cared for and loved and fed today. This symbolized the fact that they would be fed and cared for and loved tomorrow, provided for so I want you to imagine if you, if you had, if you had a, a, a loaf of bread and Jesus said, this is the bread and, and every time you ate it, another one appeared. And every time you ate it, another one was there. What are you going to do with this never-ending bread factory? So one day you decide, I'm not just going to eat this one. I'm going to give this one away. You get back to the table, there are two there. I give another one away, there are two there. So you decide, I'm going to eat all I can and give away all I can so that I'm satisfied and the people I care about are satisfied. And pretty soon, you have more bread than you can say grace over. Certainly more than you will ever need and more than those you love will ever need. And this is how God transforms a life. 
This is how God transforms a family. This is how God changes a neighborhood. This is how God changes this town. This is how God infiltrates and changes Western. This is how God changes the world. It's all about the bread. It's all about the bread. So this is what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. I would like for you to um, we're gonna pass this around, and uh, Tim, w- would you take care of this middle row? Just, just helping. Take two, okay? Just hold them. Do not eat them right now. Do not eat them right now. Um, take two, and just hold them. I'm gonna tell you what to do with them, okay? Like, even if you're not a Jesus follower, it's bread. Take the bread. It's free. Um, thank you. Take two. There you go, Scott. You want to pass that around? Thank you. Let's take your time. Do you guys have one to start with? All right. There you go. I'm going to make sure everybody gets two. Don't eat them yet. And if we run out, we got, we got more. But there should be enough for everybody to have two. Man, I wanted that other kind of bread. And now this one has... Well, it's okay. It's okay. This is fine. I'll deal with this. All right. We're going gonna to put up... Uh, how we doing? How we doing? The middle... Middle row, you guys are killing it. Bill, I got to tell you, this one, not, not so great. But they got a lot of peeps, and they're, they're getting the bread out. Are you running out? Do you need more? Because there's more. Everybody get two. Not two per fan, two per person. Yeah, yeah. Let's make sure we're getting that. This is just a sample of what's available for you, okay? We're going to wait until everybody's got one, and then... I'm going to put up a prayer, okay? I want you to consider... Would you bring the lights down a little bit? Thanks. We're going to do a prayer exercise with one of these loaves, okay? I call this the, the, the bread prayer. Okay. And, and, and the bread prayer goes like this. Jesus, you are the blank that satisfies me. Please give me blank for you and others. And what we're going to insert are, are these words below that come from Galatians 5 right? It's the fruit of the Spirit. So we say this, and after each word that we put in, we're going to take a piece of our bread and and eat it to to remind us that He is the one that satisfies. So if you want to play along, if you want to pray, let's do this, okay? Because this is is powerful. This deals with satisfaction. This deals with our deepest needs. Okay, so we're going to read it for each one of the fill-ins, and then we're going to eat a part of our bread. Jesus, you are, say this with me, Jesus, you are the love that satisfies me. Please give me love for you and others. When you eat, when you eat, this becomes part of me, right? You are what you eat. We're eating in satisfaction of the bread of life. Jesus, You are the joy that satisfies me. Please give me joy for you and for others. Take your bread. Be filled. I don't know why you think, some of you think this is less spiritual. Jesus was all about this. He's taste and see and experience and know that God is good. Experience it. Why bread? Because you can't turn around without bumping into some kind of bread. And every time you eat it, you think, that's life. 
full. Jesus, you are the peace that satisfies me. Please give me peace for you and for others. I got to take small bites. Jesus, you are the patience that satisfies me. Please give me patience for you and for others. And we take some more bread and we're filled. Because he's saying there's more. There's more. Jesus, you are the kindness that satisfies me. Please give me kindness for you and for others. Amen. Because you know what? This stuff doesn't come from in here. If God doesn't put these qualities in me, they're not going to be there. Time to feed on him. Jesus, you are the goodness that satisfies me. Please give me goodness for you and for others, particularly those who deserve it the least. Because if you weren't into that kind of goodness, I wouldn't be bread, I'd be toast. You know what I'm saying? You know it too. You know it too. Don't be eating your second loaf. This is only your first loaf. Jesus, you are the faithfulness that satisfies me. Please give me faithfulness for you and for others. We, as he's faithful to provide. Jesus, you are the gentleness that satisfies me. Please give me gentleness for you and for others. And this is important because we're indulging, right? We're going to pray for self-control. And you and I are free to do whatever we want. The question is, are we free not to do whatever we want? Because whatever we want has gotten us into a lot of heartbreak and injury. So we pray, Jesus, you are the self-control that satisfies me. Please give me self-control for you and for others. Okay. If you're on the live event, you have this prayer. It's on there. If you don't, I have it printed up here. I want to suggest something to you. This loaf left over take it to bed with you tonight hold it sleep with it as a reminder I'm going to see remind just like right here that God is here the bread is here and if I'm hungry it's not because he hasn't provided the way it's because I'm just refusing to eat and there's always more there's always more this God who loves you, born in the house of bread. He is our daily bread. When we say, give us this day our daily bread, he's saying, I'm here. I'm here. So, yeah, it's crazy. Put this by your bedside. Put that loaf there. Hold it. And tomorrow in your heart, do this. And if you and I, you don't need these special words, but if you and I can do this and be this and eat this, 
than this hungry for something we don't want, we don't know. That's a thing of the past. He's come that you might be satisfied and full. The bread is here. What you do with it is your call. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that you are so good. You are so lavish. You are so loving and so kind. Lord, um, some of us want to say, look, look, I have never connected with you before, Jesus. But I want to now. And just as I eat this bread, I want to say, yes, come into my body, Jesus. You be the bread of my life. You be the bread that, that changes everything that causes me to finally have life right now, ever-increasing life and forever because of what you did in coming for me, in dying for me, in rising for me. That's what I want. I've spent a lot of time hungry. Lord, you said you want me to spend a lot of time full and sharing the fullness with others. That's what I want. Lord, there are many of us here who, um, who know you, even know you well, and, and for a long time I've followed you. And yet, Lord, when that hunger comes, we get fooled. And we think something else is going to satisfy that. So though we have a mountain of bread in prayer, in your word, in fellowship, in, in praise, in worship, in, in, in just beholding your beauty and soaking in your presence, although we have a mountain of bread, we go hungry by choice. And Lord, we want to repent of that. And you don't turn us away. You just say, welcome back. Sit out. Eat. Eat. It's never going to end. It's never going to run out. I love you too much. I love you too much. I came so that you would be satisfied. And Lord, we we submit ourselves to you. And we ask you to make us smart enough, faithful enough to keep running back to the table a thousand times a day and to share so that everybody can know that you are what satisfies. In Jesus' name.